It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see him now, it's just different. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation who's saying, man... A lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT, hope you had a great Labor Day. You're staying out of the heat here. Man, is it hot. Man, is it hot as we are past Labor Day, and now we're at the start of the Raiders' regular season, and we are thrilled to have you here. It means a lot to us, and we're brought to you by Modelo. Modelo is an official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with a fighting spirit, Modelo, rooted in the heart of Raider Nation. Drink responsibly, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. You know I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo's. Had one on Labor Day. I will have one on Friday heading into the weekend. Modelo, proud partner of our show. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. In a few moments, we're taking your calls to kick off the season at 702-365-9200. Passionate Raider at the top of the hour. Go ahead. Good afternoon, JT, man. It's finally among us, man. Week one starts Sunday, JT. You know what? But, man, I'm, I'm just still so pumped up and hyped up and psyched up, but still got this calmness, still this calmness, and I still want to see what these number ones do. From what Josh showed us in this coaching staff with our twos and threes in preseason was a whole new, whole look, whole new look team to us, to me, and I just love seeing the discipline, the, the way the guys competed, and just the layout of everything. I'm not really worried about this offensive line like like a lot of people are talking about because I just sat back and thought, JT, if they really didn't believe in the two guys that they had from last year, mm-hmm. I think they won one, one out and made a move, and they really never did. So I just, I'm just i just going to ride with Josh and believe he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's got a smart quarterback back there. Too many guys. All we got to do is just get that ball out, JT. You know it. Quick second, someone's got to be open. Maybe we'll see a lot of screens on Sunday. I don't know. But I caught you slipping, JT. You said Chargers 40, Raiders 30. No, JT. No, I didn't say Raiders that. Raiders 40. No, I didn't Chargers say that. Chargers nothing. Let's go. It's Sunday in L.A. Gorilla really needs to be there. Some bullcrap they ain't letting him in there. He's been around for years, man. That's nonsense, but who cares? It's Sunday football Sunday. Let's go. All right, so the host did not say that, so don't put words in the host's mouth. I did not say 40 to 30. I said the total is at 52, and I said the Chargers could score 40 every game they play. The Raiders could score 30. I didn't say that was the score. I'm saying it's a low total, okay? So I never picked against the Raiders ever in my life on a radio show. That's why I don't make predictions. I don't think Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders, makes predictions, too. He's a play-by-play voice with strong opinions. How are you, my friend? I don't know that I'm allowed to uh, make yeah. predictions. I don't, I don't actually know that I've actually made that uh, well, request to, to anybody within the Raiders. <laughs> it's probably a bad idea on my part. It would be a terrible idea if you got into the prediction business. You do a great job calling the games. And let's start with you. What do you think? You had to get on the road quickly. The announcement came. You're the voice of the Raiders right before Canton. I see in Canton. We meet up. And then you run through four preseason games, some practices, uh, getting to know your partner, Lincoln Kennedy. How was the experience for you in the preseason? 
Casey, I I, uh, I think I sh- I know I shared some of this with you. I don't know I shared all of this with you, but the announcement came out on July 27th, and I was on the air. You were on the air, and then I joined you uh, on on Q's show. <laughs> And then uh, I hadn't really had time to let it sink in yet because I was doing stuff with Big Ten Media Day, and I was in the, the basement, basically, of Lucas Oil Stadium, and it just kind of all was washed over me, right? I was all uh, overcome with emotions, and it was amazing. And it never ha- it hasn't stopped being like that since. Um, I've had so much fun doing this. Lincoln and I have had a lot of uh, good quality conversations and enjoyment being together. Mm-hmm. Um, to be perfectly honest, the extra week off kind of, it was great because I got to spend time with my family on a vacation. It's dumb because I missed you guys. <laughs> Vacation's always a good thing. Jason Horowitz joins us. He's the voice of the Raiders. So I was surprised they didn't get another offensive lineman. I went in all, all yeah. off season thinking that Dave would get someone on a cut down and it's clear that they think they have enough or there wasn't someone that they wanted. There wasn't someone that they said, we have to have that player. That's why we put some money aside. Are you surprised by that? Are you good with the depth that they have up front on the O-line? Well, so think about the two, and I, I don't, I, there's too many, I'm going to put this in quotes, but not big names that have, you know, were cut and that you could have gone after and, you know, maybe they would have had some thoughts there. But the two big names that people recognize that have signed over the last, Let's call it two weeks. One is Jason Peters, mm-hmm. who's 40, right? He just signed with the Cowboys, uh, and so there's one there. And then Dwayne Brown, the Jets signed him to a, what was it, a $23 million contract right. when Mekhi Becton went down? I believe maybe it was 22, something like that, but a big, a big number. And, and if you're going to do that, like the Raiders have cap space, but you really have to know and have faith that those guys are, at this point in their career, is that much better than what you have. Um, so clearly the Raiders didn't feel that way. Look, Jermaine Illuminor has said multiple times throughout the course of this camp that he blew his opportunities in Baltimore and with the Patriots, but he knows Josh McDaniel's system. He knows this is his last shot, and he's going to, I would assume, unless their Mumford is healthy and something we don't know, Jermaine's going to most likely be the starter at right mm-hmm. tackle come, come Sunday, and this is a huge opportunity for him. And then with regards to the other side, Look, we never, we never saw Colton Miller in a preseason game, but we know what you've got with him, and that is a guy who's a really good left tackle. And so if you feel that the right side is good enough uh, against what is a revamped Chargers front seven, then you go with it, and, uh, and they clearly feel that way. Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders, kind enough to join us. So this game's interesting to me because it's the first game and the starters haven't played, so you don't know about rust. You don't know about right. rhythm. you got to give them a half to at least do that. And I think this is an important game for the Raiders to manage the game until halftime. I think the Raiders have the better coach in Josh McDaniels. Staley last year was insane with going for it on fourth down. I don't think he's, <laughs> he's going to go for it on fourth and 10 or 11 in this rivalry anymore, but... As you're prepping to do the play-by-play, I think you got to be aware yeah. that anything fourth and two, fourth and three, at midfield or on the other side, they're going to go for it. They're just riverboat gamblers, and they got the weapons to do it. So, you know, obviously uh, Raiders fans should be extremely thankful that he will go. He went for it at fourth, <laughs> right? Like, I, and oh, by the way, they should be very thankful that he used a timeout. That people were like, "Why was he taking a timeout?" Oh, um, but. But, you know, all of that stuff aside, and last year's, you know, 35, uh, 32 game is tied. Your point about fourth downs, I was looking this up earlier today. I actually, it, 
I, in my head, the number was bigger, and it's already a big number. Um, they went for fourth downs on average twice a game last year. Twice a game. The Chargers did. Yeah, twenty-two. they were 22 of 34 on fourth down conversions last year. Um, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big number. Uh, to put that into perspective, and again, remember, that's a 9-18 and 18 with a really powerful offense and all that stuff, but to put that into perspective, the year prior, they went for fourth down 24 times. So... 10 times less over the course of the season, a little bit less than one time less a game. So that's a big number, a big jump from the year before. Now, mm-hmm. what goes into that, there's a lot of things that go into that. That's situational. Are you close in games? Are you fourth and one, fourth and two? Or are you fourth? There's a lot of things that go into that. This is just the basis of the number. But it stood out to me how many times they went forward on fourth down last year. Jason Horowitz is our guest. I'm fascinated by what's going to happen on both defenses, Bosa and Mack and Mad Max and Chandler Jones, right? So there's interior defensive linemen that'll play a role in that, but the edge rushers, to me, are incredible. Look, I I think the Chargers have a better roster than the Raiders. They do. They have better players at some point. They're a little bit more balanced. Their offensive line clearly is better than Las Vegas. But the rest of yeah. it, oh, rest of it over the years, Derwin James hasn't played great against the Raiders. Uh, Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams haven't had these monster games against the Raiders, and I just feel like in the back of my mind they're ready for a breakout game because everybody is picking the Chargers to be explosive this year. So let's talk about the Raiders' defensive game plan and to have that center fielder in Trayvon Merrick deep to take away the big pass and then hope that the safeties, the corners, can gang tackle, get to the ball, and get Justin Herbert into some third and longs. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, though. You know, obviously the explosive nature of the Chargers is big and has been talked about a lot. It's a reason a lot of people think, yes, they're the Chiefs that everyone always picks to win. So if someone beats them, they're, you know, they're the champs of the, of the division. But there are a lot of people who believe that the Chargers – could challenge them and maybe will challenge them. And I think there's Raider fans that think the Raiders, at least from a optimistic standpoint, could, could surprise people and do that as well. But in reference to trying to stop an explosive offense, what is the first thing you have to do? You went to the secondary. The secondary only matters if they, if, if, if Justin Herbert uh, isn't comfortable, mm-hmm. right? It, no, no secondary in the NFL can cover for more than five seconds. Right, the, the the average number is what four and a half. Right. You want to be able to cover for four to five seconds somewhere in that range. Well, what do we have now that hasn't been here before? And again, to your point, you, you have to wait a half to see what you really have. But there's two, not one, but two dynamic pass rushers, Chandler Jones, and what he has added to Max Crosby. We've seen it in practice against the Raiders' offensive line. We, you and I, and others saw it against the Patriots in practice scrimmage um, the last week of the preseason. Now let's see what it looks like against, to your point, what should be a very good offensive line. The Chargers have a very good left tackle that they drafted last year in the first round. He had a very good rookie season, Rashawn Slater. Mm-hmm. Um, Zion Johnson, who I believe is slated to start at right guard as a rookie this year. Uh, and so they have they have bolstered through younger guys. Um, but, but to that point, a young guy. Yeah. Daniel Jones is not a young guy. So it'll be opportunistic, a big opportunity here to try and stop them. Wrapping it up with Jason Horowitz, who'll be calling his first ever Raiders regular season game coming up Sunday, 125, out in Los Angeles at SoFi. So another critical aspect of this is Josh McDaniels keeping so many running backs and the ability to run the ball with fresh legs late in the game. 
That's critical to closing out games. A lot of Raider fans, as you know, want to hear your call on all these touchdowns to Devontae and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, who I'll get to. But I think on third and one, third and two, they're going to be able to bring in a rotation of healthy legs and backs in the third and fourth quarter that can move the pile. What did you see with the running game in the preseason and keeping all these running backs on the final 53? I think it's very interesting. I think it. I. I. We saw a lot of Britton Brown uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the preseason. I'm glad they kept him uh, on the now. Will he be active on on Sunday? I, I don't know. Right. I mean, we we, we always talk about in preseason about hey, who's going to make the the 53 man roster. Then of course comes game day and who's going to be on the active roster. So that's that's another question, and, and we will find out on on Sunday. But White was part of what you just talked about at Georgia. Now, he was the leader of that, but he was a big part of what was a rotation for a ground game at Georgia last year, so he understands that. Josh Jacobs, I'm sure he'll – I know it's a contract year now, but there's probably some appreciation for him by the fact that there's other guys who are going to help. You know, And so you have some bigger guys, plus Amir Abdullah on third down and catching the ball out of the backfield. They all have different roles, and – what I'm very interested to see is what Brandon Bolden's role will be. Because uh, he comes over from New England, knows everything about Josh McDaniel's offensive system. Again, another guy we not, did not see a single snap in the preseason. Um, and he's also a guy, JT, he never really carried the ball that much mm-hmm. in, in his days with New England. I don't know if you ever went back and looked, and he had the one year in Miami as well, but if you ever go back and look at Brandon Bolden, he never carried the ball more than 60 times in a season. And and it's not like you're throwing the ball other than last year. Last Mm -hmm. year's a different story. But most of the time, it was never, he was never a guy you were featuring on third down on the backfield. Last year, he had like 40 catches. 41, I think, is the exact number. But most of the time in his career, he's just kind of been a guy to be their special team, secondary, I could play a secondary role. But they didn't play him in the preseason because they knew they were keeping him. And I'm very curious to see how they envision using him. Um, in, in part of this uh, this offense. Well, finally, I really believe the Raider defense is going to surprise everyone. Without question, the defense that takes the field on Sunday in L.A. is much stronger than the squad the Chargers faced in Week 18 of last season. Now, I know that, yeah. conversely, the Chargers now have a healthy Derwin James and Mac and, and Mr. Interception, J.C. Jackson, depending if he's going to play, because I think he's a right. game-time decision here. So, are you... I mean, I'm not asking you again. We don't make predictions on the flagship, but I'm, I just don't know if this is a shootout. Embrace the shootout is something you're going to hear from me a lot in certain games with Eric Allen from the torch. It's like, okay, a team's coming in here like Kansas City. Don't tell me you want to ball control it and slow the game down. They will get you in the 40s. They'll get you in the 30s. Embrace the shootout. And with Devontae, now you can get into the shootout. I'm sensing yeah. that this is going to be a shootout, but I know that Josh McDaniels can take the air out of the ball, Jason, by running it and running it and picking up third down with Renfro. I'm fascinated to see how this game plays out. Yeah, so a couple of things. Number one, um, if you ever are wondering what Josh McDaniels is going to do, let's never forget the game in which they went to Buffalo and won and they ran the ball, uh, they passed the ball right. a total of three times. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. he's, he is clearly a guy... That is adaptable, um, and and he's, I think, a big reason why Mac Jones was a Pro Bowler last year, and and we'll find out as this year goes on, and then we'll see the Patriots in person in December with what they are without Josh McDaniel. 
you know, everyone focused on what they were without Tom Brady, but now we're going to see what the Patriots are without Josh McDaniels, who's been there for a really long time. So that's it. B, um, I'm with you. I think the Raiders' defense is going to be better. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there were some moves that some people su- surprised some people throughout the course of the preseason, and Trayvon Mullen being traded to the Cardinals for a seventh-round pick or what could be a sixth-round pick when it's all been done um, surprised a lot. But they don't do that without feeling very confident in the physical nature of the corners. Um, we, we sat down, and you were in those meetings too, with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, and they talked about toughness and physical play a lot during the preseason, mm-hmm. and particularly with those corners. And, you know, those guys were dealing with injuries throughout the preseason, but they played a lot of football. Anthony Averett last year in particular on a defense that's known for toughness. You don't have a better name for a guy you want to be tough than Rock. So, and then, of course, you had Nate Hobbs, who there's yeah, so much expected from him this year in his second year out of Illinois, and you can only hope that he lives up to it. But if he does, man, it, this has a really good chance to be a surprising defense, and I don't know that Raiders fans have really felt that way in a while. They haven't. I can tell you that. Have a great call. We'll talk to you Sunday on game day. Save travels and save that flip card and save this moment, your first NFL game for the Raiders on the road in a real big rivalry dating back to Al Davis and Sid Gilman. You know the history of the Raiders and Chargers in the AFL. This is a big one. My my son asked me today because he's all about the colors now. He's like, so if the Chargers wear blue, will the Raiders wear black? I said, I I don't. I don't think they're allowed to. But then I was guessing myself. I don't. I didn't know the answer to that. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the Raiders will look good in their silver and black, or their white roadies. We'll find out. Your call will be great. I'll talk to you Sunday from M Resort. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, JT. Appreciate it. There he is, Jason Horowitz. He will be part of my Tuesday, Tuesday block, which will consist of Paul Gutierrez, Jason Horowitz. On one Tuesday, Levi Edwards and another insider. So we flip them every two weeks because if I had them on every week, I'd wear them out. I'd w- I wear people out. I wear you out at times. That's why, you know, we get the meetup commercials, right? The Grimaldi's. Take a break from me. But go to all of our proud partners here. Jason's going to be a big part of our show. And we talk to him on game day from the booth as I host the pregame show with Eric Allen. Got a open segment here for you. 702-365-9200. Raider fans with predictions all week against the Chargers. And then back-to-back, Lee Hacksaw-Hamilton and Paul Gutierrez. We're going to give you the analysis of this game with the Chargers all week long. Charger insiders, Raider insiders, getting you ready for the season opener in L.A., which is kind of the home of the Raiders. Division games are obviously, uh, you know, that's the first thing we have to try to accomplish when you set out for your, your goals during the course of the season is try to compete and win your own division. So um, we know these, you know, uh, they almost count double in the standings, if you will. Uh, so we're trying um, like heck to get to, to know these guys now. Um, it would be the same urgency if we had somebody else on the schedule. It's just we know these guys a little bit more, at least a lot of our players do, uh, that have played against them. And uh, we know we're going to see them again, you know, in, in so many weeks. So um, no question that division games are critical, division games on the road, uh, critical. 
Uh, so we're going to put everything we got into this one and uh, give it give it all we got on Sunday. JT, back with you. I, I find it fascinating. Josh McDaniels comes from New England with all of his success. He was the head coach at Denver, won a playoff game in Denver. Do not forget that because we judge everybody in life. And Raiders are trying to win a playoff game since Rich Gannon going back that far. Josh McDaniels did with Denver. Uh, this is going to be interesting because he feasted on the AFC East all those years he was there. They just destroyed the division. We either went 6-0 and or 5-1 and in the division halfway to 10 games. But when we had a 17-game schedule, now it's 18. So they know, the, they know what it's like in New England to destroy and eat up the division. And then they just pick and choose their opponents and beat them in the regular season, and they get a home bye week. He comes from that culture. Raiders aren't there yet. Raiders aren't at a point where they can say, we're going to win the AFC West every year. We're going to go 5-1 and one in the AFC West. And nowhere near that. But that's what he's used to doing in New England. And that's the goal to get it here, to be dominant here and get it done. All right, let's go to Reggie in North Las Vegas. Reggie, thanks for waiting. Welcome to the welcome to the regular season, Reggie. Let's go, baby. My voice is already gone. I've been yelling all morning already. Five days out, Raider Nation, you better wake up and get it together because it's time to do it. The one thing that got me a little concerned is that line, but look, if if the leadership believes that they can do it with the guys they got and they didn't go out and grab anybody, let's go. Pack your bags. Let's bring a lunch bucket. Let's bring a dinner because it's got to be in the trenches where we win this game. And like you said, JT, the defense is going to shock the world because they still treating us like we have nobody. And I'm glad they treating us like that because it's surprise time. Let's go smash mouth. We got two superstars on the outside, but we also got some guys that's going to shock you. And I'm waiting for that DB uh, room to just stand out and get some takeaways. I know what it is. These Chargers ain't got nothing for us. I don't care about Mac. We got to drive in there and take our vacation home over. Blackout, let's do it. Raiders, let's go all day, every day. Raiders, let's go, baby. All right, thanks, Reggie, checking in. I'm sure Hacksaw is getting a kick out of that. He's taken maybe millions of Chargers versus Raider calls over the decades. I'm proud to have him on this show as an insider for football and especially a game like this because he knows Southern California sports better than anybody. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton joins us and Lee, how far do you go back in this Charger-Raider rivalry over the decades? Well, that rivalry goes back to the old American Football League, but my first year in the NFL as the voice of the then San Diego Chargers was 1987, and we had some tough times with the Raiders, we had good times with the Raiders, and we beat the crap out of the Raiders. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great rivalry, but as, as I've gone through, and I still live in San Diego, even though the franchise has transferred to Los Angeles, it's still our team, and... They can take the team, but they can't take the memories. And there's an awful lot of memories involving the silver and black. And as you grew up listening to Sports Talk Radio, and I antagonized Raider fan every day of the year, you know what the rivalry is all about. So it, it's a different era. There's no doubt about it. But do you still recall the Holy Roller and Al Davis and all the other things that went into the Chargers, the Raiders, the games, the lawsuits, the controversies, the cheap shots, and the big touchdown plays? 
Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. So going back to the AFL and the history there and what it meant to Mr. Davis, the late Al Davis and Sid Gillum and all the le- all the legends back in the day dating back to Bill Walsh in Los Angeles. You know the DNA of this rivalry and the years where the Chargers were really good and a favorite over the Raiders but still searching for that first Super Bowl victory. Do you think this is one of the best Charger rosters, L.A., San Diego, and back to L.A. that you've ever seen in regards to balance because of the young superstar quarterback, too? No, I'll I'll sign that memo. Uh, I think it's the most complete Charger team they've had. It might be a better Charger team than the Marty Schottenheimer team that had that phenomenal 14-2 run. Uh, It might be a better Charger team than the one that came together under Bobby Ross and went to the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's a better offensive team than the Eric Coriel Dan Fouts era because there was a five-year span where there was nobody in the world that could stop Eric Coriel, Dan Fouts, Winslow, Joyner, J.J., West Chandler, Chuck Muncie. That was a phenomenal offensive team. But that being said, you talked about DNA. I mean, the Raiders were just wonderful. For an extended period of time, the silver and black gave you any anything from Stabler or Plunkett to Marcus Allen to a lot of really good football players from Howie Long to Lyle Alzado. It fell apart really badly. You know, I, I wrote a column on my website uh, about a year ago and got a lot of response. Fans didn't weren't paying attention. I said, did you know that the Raiders were 92 and 180 in their final decade plus mm-hmm. in Oakland before they went to Las Vegas? So, you know. Got to, got to worry a little bit about what you inherited. So, it's you know, it's a new lease on life. It's a new era. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun game, a real fun so game I. on Sunday. Can't you know? You take this and then and stand it alongside probably four or five other opening weekend games. JT, don't call me Sunday. I'll be watching football. Hacksaw is our guest. You know, Lee. I look at Josh McDaniels and where he came from with Bruce Belichick. Excuse me, Bill Belichick. And I look at the strength of how they prep for every game. They had a different game plan. A lot of coaches, as you know, and you've worked with many of them, it's the same team and it's the same type of game plan. Eric Coriel or back to Madden, if they had a dominant team, they'd go, they'd go with the strengths. Josh McDaniels, even with Brady, there were games where they ran the ball or they went heavy slot receiver or heavy tight end sets with Gronk. I think that's an advantage for the Raiders. I know that the Chargers have a good coaching staff, but I think the Raiders now have an offensive mind here that will flip the script constantly in a game to what he believes will be an advantage. Tell me about the two head coaches here and if there's any advantage in your mind. Well, I think McDaniels is a better head coach this time around than he was the first time in Denver. I think he's delegating authority. He is a bright light. There's no argument with that whatsoever in terms of offenses. And and even though in the post-Brady era in New England, I thought he groomed first Cam Newton to fit the mm-hmm. system, and then he groomed Mac Jones to really do a good job. Now, Jones kind of ran out of gas the second half of the season, and they had injuries in New England. But I, I think McDaniels is a much more complete coach now than he ever was before. And you give him Derek Carr, and you give him the cadre of wide receivers, tight ends they have, they're going to be really special throwing the football. But that being said, there's a lot of other glitches in Raider football. Who's going to protect Derek Carr aside from Colton Miller? Mm-hmm. Don't like the offensive line. Love the pass rushers out on the edge. I don't know if they've got enough girth inside at defensive tackle. Do you have any legitimacy at linebackers? And please tell me outside of Rock Yassin and maybe John Abrams and they can keep him on the field. Do you have enough players on the defense? And I, I think that's a big, big issue. But 
you know, that's why you play the game to see when you get into these matchups, what you create, what you can take advantage of, etc. Big challenge for Josh McDaniel opening against these guys on Sunday because across the field you got a bright light head coach in Brandon Staley. Now, I will also tell you this. As much as they ambushed people the first half of last season, mm-hmm. people were caught up with Brandon Staley, the back third of the schedule, and then obviously in, uh, as they made their drive to try to get to the postseason. They do have offense. They've added another stud in the offensive line. They spent an enormous amount of money uh, to, to fix a really faulty defense. they got really good special teams. I think it's a complete package, and that's why you play the game on Sunday to see whether McDaniels can ambush him with something unique and different or whether Staley is going to unleash all this firepower with this kid quarterback, Justin Herbert, who I think is just a really special guy. Uh, you know, it, it could be a wild game, but I just think there's too many bullets in the Chargers' mm-hmm. gun for the Raiders to be able to deal with right now. You, you won't hear a better analysis and breakdown of this game than from Lee Hacksaw-Hamilton. So, Lee, that's where you have, you know, for Raider fans just saying, give the Chargers a chance and they'll screw it up on special teams. They'll miss a kick. There'll be a protection issue. Have, have they cleaned up that aspect? Because last couple of years I'm talking to you, it's the same story with the Chargers. They got talent everywhere, but in the kicking game or special teams, they take themselves out of games. What have you heard through camp and the preseason if they're cleaning that up? Well, they found a kicker at midseason that Washington got rid of, and Dustin Hopkins mm-hmm. was pretty good. And they signed another punter who was averaging 45 yards per kick last year. I think it was with the Jets and the Bears. And they got another return man. And they've just got a ton of athletes on special teams. You're correct that special teams have screwed them up. Now, last year, they couldn't stop anybody. And what I think in retrospect we found out was that they came in with a defensive philosophy and they had square pegs and round holes and nothing fit. They couldn't bleep and stop the run. They couldn't stop anybody from throwing crossing patterns. You know know who their DBs were because they were the ones running to try to catch up to receivers that caught balls and were going down the field. Well, that has all changed by virtue of six veteran free agents. And by the way, those guys who came in, the Khalil Max of the world, these guys played for Brandon Staley, either with the Rams or prior to that, other stops on his tour. So Mm -hmm. there's been less of a learning curve because the Khalil Max of the world are walking in the door, uh, and they know this playbook. So it's going to be fascinating to see. I don't think it's a challenge that there's a lot of new pieces that have to learn how to play together. I think this group collectively is together. Now they just need to go out and play those 17 games and, and try to win as many as they can in what is, I think, the toughest division in the uh, NFL. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, uh, go check out his headlines. The website is the best, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Follow him on Twitter at Hacksaw1090. Brilliant as always, but you know that ahead of time. Thanks for doing this, Lee. You are correct. We are bleeping brilliant. Hey, enjoy the uh, first weekend of the NFL, JT. We'll catch up again. All the best. Thank you, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. That will be the greatest breakdown you hear of the Chargers from the former voice of the Chargers and knows the team inside out. He thinks they're better than the Raiders. He just went through why they're better than the Raiders. He went position by position. I respect Lee. I have him on the show all the time because he knows what he's talking about. That's what the Raiders are up against, and they're going to have to play a great game, and they're going to have to hope. So I don't think I don't agree with Lee on the on the coach in Staley. I think the Raiders have a much better coach than Josh McDaniels, much better. I'd take him in a sword fight or a gunfight any day over the Charger coach. But they got a lot of talent, and they're going to be explosive. Paul Gutierrez, our Raider insider from ESPN, coming up on the other side as we're brought to you by Grimaldi's. Oh, 
I can taste it right now. Why? It's the best pizza I've ever had. You know, I don't have any updates on that. There's nothing that I'm aware of. It's been football, football, football for, for players and coaches. And um, that's kind of where we're at. My interactions with Lamar have been all football. And he's been focused and locked in on that 100%. How about that? That is John Harbaugh with Lamar Jackson, which is really the biggest story in the NFL that they haven't been able to get his contract done. Uh, lasted, I looked, and they wanted to get it done before the start of the season. They were desperate to get it done because the price seems to only go up, and it's not good for Lamar Jackson either. It's not good for him because if he gets an injury, if Lamar Jackson, we don't root for injuries and bring it up, but his contract is up. If you're a quarterback and have a catastrophic knee injury, you're done. So he doesn't have that contract done, and he's representing himself. Something we'll talk about nationally more this week. Always a thrill to have Paul Gutierrez back, heart and soul of our Raider insiders from ESPN all the years, covering the silver and black. So how did it go for you? That was that was a really long training camp and preseason. How did you make sure you manage your time correctly and are peaking for the regular season? Uh, I use a lot of SPF 50, Jakey. That's what I did. <laughs> Being a UNLV alum and having, you know, Lived in Vegas for quite some time. You just kind of, you know, a lot of you got to stay hydrated, as Denzel Perriman also tells us, too. But, yeah, it, it felt like a long, long time. It obviously was. It was a week longer than every other team, too. But, you know, now it counts. Now it's for real. And, and um, I don't think the challenges get any stiffer for a new franchise or a new regime for the franchise, rather, than going to L.A. to face a, a charter team that, that looks pretty loaded up and down the roster. I'm surprised I didn't get another offensive lineman throughout camp, let alone on cutdowns. And I'll admit when I'm wrong, I thought that was going to be a lock, that there was some money put aside to make a move for a particular right tackle if he became available. Did that player not become available, or are the Raiders just confident with the depth they have? Well, and the way I kind of look at it, too, is, and I'm with you, I'm surprised they didn't go out and get somebody else. So that tells me one of two things happened uh, with, with uh, the new staff. And, and uh, it's, it's belief in Alex Leatherwood. They either believed too much in him uh, coming into this uh, training camp or they were asleep at the wheel. And the truth is usually somewhere in the middle somewhere anyway. But they, 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 whether they have the trust or not, they're going to have to have it now going forward. And, and like I said, I mean, you got you know, pick your poison. Joy Bosa, Khalil Mack, and uh, whoever is going to be out there at right tackle is going to have their hands full. And, and so is Colton Miller for that matter. But at least in Colton, the Raiders have a known quantity out there and he's, you know, he's just right at the precipice of try, of being like a pro bowl left tackle in this mm-hmm. league. So it's just, there's so many questions that, that come over to the other side. And, and like you asked me right off the bat, how long did training camp seem? I mean, it seems like forever ago when Denzel good to me was going to be the key to this offensive line, because if he could block down that right guard spot, then everything else would fall into place. And yet here we are. Paul Gutierrez is our guest. So everybody, and you know, this, everybody loves the chargers and their weapons. And it's, one of the first times I've ever seen that roster be this loaded. They've had weaknesses in the past, special teams, or Derwin James is out and hurt, or there's a problem with the player, the offensive line isn't strong. It really looks like that they filled the holes and now are loaded in a couple of position groups. What gives Raider fans the optimism that they can go toe-to-toe with the Chargers potentially in a shootout with their offensive additions? 
Because on, on paper, the Raiders look unstoppable themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you throw all those stats out there that they were able to do in such a roller coaster of emotions season last year and, and uh, winning four straight to get into the playoffs and, 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 and things going right for this team, and then adding the best receiver in the game, who is a known commodity, so to speak, too, already, to Derek Carr from their time together, not only being in, in college together, granted nine years ago, but but being really, really tight and good friends, I mean, that is it should be the next level too. And you look across and you, you look at the skill positions, even on defense, you know, edge rushers with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and, and Denzel Perriman at linebacker who's a pro bowler and, and uh, Trevon Morig, uh, you know, uh, coming into his own back there at free safety. They, they have names. They have players everywhere. And that is what you really, as a Raider fan, I think have to hang your hat on. The question, though, JT, and I keep going back to this, too, is we just don't know what they look like yet. None of the stars that we just talked about really played together in a preseason game. I know we had those joint practices that we covered mm-hmm. uh, with the Patriots, but you couldn't really glean much from that either, other than Devontae uh, putting on a show. So to me, that's the biggest question, too, is, is just how do these guys all fit together? Not necessarily just fit together, but fit together with the new game plan, with the new coaching staff, with the new everything. So there's far more questions than answers. Like there is for every team at this time, but especially with the team that looks so good on paper, there's so many more questions as well. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. We've covered this team a long time, and you do it as a journalist, and you do it as good as anybody, but we've seen this combination of a GM and a coach not work. And as much as Mike was good to me, Mayock, and tight with John Gruden and how they tried to do it their way, and they hit on a couple of late-round picks, the – Early picks were an epic disaster that kind of hurts this coaching staff a little bit because they re-signed the guys who were good. They re-signed Derek and Hunter and Max, and those guys were here from the previous regime, but the cupboard wasn't as full as much. So they had their draft. They didn't have a first and second round pick. They had undrafted free agents. What did you take away, Paul, about the Ziegler-McDaniels relationship and how they're building this team in their version from ground up? If nothing else, it showed me the autonomy that was granted to them from Mark Davis. Almost the same amount of autonomy and, and ownership of it that, that John Gruden was. I mean, they didn't get a 10-year, $100 million contract, mm-hmm. right? But but by giving them the freedom, and, and I hate to use that term, giving them. I mean, you hire somebody to come in and run your football operations. That's what you're hiring them to do. Um, but yet, for these guys to come in, Ziegler as a first-time-ever GM Josh, uh, you know, 10 years, 11 years after his last shot as a head coach coming in to to be given that freedom, so to speak, to go ahead and cut a guy who was a first round pick a year ago. That, to me, speaks more volumes about the freedom that they've been given, the autonomy they've been given than of anything about how bad the draft pick was itself, because it, it's the same thing that, that Mark Davis basically gave to John Gruden was, hey, remake this team into your own image, however you see fit. It didn't work for John. It was starting to obviously, because he built that team that essentially went to the playoffs last year. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when John Gruden came in in 2018, that was a team that was a season and a half removed from going 12-4 and and one broken Derek Carr leg away, in my opinion, from going to the AFC title game. Uh, And what did John do? He didn't, you know, it was a roster, in my opinion, at that time, simply needed a little buff and a shine and kind of send it on its way. And instead, he took a wrecking ball to it. This roster, it seems like they did do more buff shine, add a couple more pieces. So we'll see if this mentality works better than the last time. 
Wrapping it up with Paul Gutierrez. Fair assessment of Derek now. Because Derek has never played behind an offensive line anywhere remotely as good as Stabler, who had Hall of Famers. And you could debate Plunkett. And you can go back to Gannon. And I remember that offensive line that went to an AFC championship and a Super Bowl, and it was a lot better on paper than this one. So Derek has never had that wall in front of him like the Cowboys had with Troy Aikman and other great quarterbacks have had. And we know that. And a lot of people wonder if he's elite or on the verge of being elite. How does Carr have a monster MVP-type season behind this offensive line? Is it going to be scheme, getting the ball out quickly, balance? How do you see it? Initially, it's got to be scheme, and that's where Josh McDaniels has to be a master in getting the ball out of there quickly because you know there's going to be a sieve in that line at some point, Mm -hmm. somewhere, especially on the right side. So I talked to Lincoln Kennedy about this, and the way he described to me is, look, McDaniels has to – plot out he's got a scheme the quick hitch throw so that you're doing it so often early in the game the linebackers start cheating the db start cheating and then all of a sudden boom sluggo slug slant and go and then it opens everything else up downfield the fact that you've got Devonte adams uh you know that's gonna <laughs> open a lot more things up as well so that's the way you know on paper that's the way it looks that's the way it feels that's the way it should be but again if, if Derek's not comfortable that's a whole new ball game as well Thank you, Paul. Look forward to having you on every other Tuesday. Big part of what we do. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Sounds good. Take care. Paul Gutierrez. How about that today? The voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. Paul Gutierrez, longtime insider. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, Charger expert. And Jeff Sherman from a gaming perspective. That's what we want to do every day. Three or four guests, all coming in with a sense of purpose and your phone calls. Really appreciate that today. Uh, let's get out to Robert in Portland. Robert, thanks for holding. You're up next. What's happening? Yeah, JT. Hey, great breakdown on the whole league last night on national radio. Thank I you. I really enjoyed it. Uh, hey, there hasn't been a guy like Darren Russell on the inside. You and I know know that. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's the key to this Sunday night game? Because I see uh, Eckler as being, uh, you know, just a thorn in the Raiders' defensive Unless Graham can somehow come up with something better than he did last year when they ripped the Giants, uh, mm-hmm. I worry about him. Okay, I'm, I know you're, you're pro-offense, and I am too. I think mm-hmm. they're going to get 21 points. My problem is the defense, and I think Eckler is going to be the key. Eckler's a good player. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. He's a really good player. I think he lives in Vegas too. He lives here. So he's in Vegas, and he's a, he's a tough player. That's a good back, but i got to hope that Josh Jacobs – outperform them. I gotta hope that Josh Jacobs in a contract year is better than Eckler. Are you with me on that? Josh Jacobs? Did you see the last four games he played of the year, including the Charger game? Josh has been bubble-wrapped. He played in Canton. He's gotta be ready to go. He's gotta be running downhill. He's gotta be telling his agent on the phone, I wanna get paid by the Raiders or someone else at the end of the year. I am going to tear up this league. I am going to tear it up. So Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Mike Williams, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Darren Waller. We're going back and forth. Both these teams have stars everywhere, but they have a few more. J.C. Jackson and Derwin James and Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. How do the Raiders match that? Well, they can only match it with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. And Denzel Perryman's a really good player. But the Raiders' secondary, as of tonight, as of today, does not put fear into the Chargers. Are you kidding me? You think the Chargers are losing sleep tonight going, we're going up against Nate Hobbs and Rocky Asin? 
All day long, they'll take that matchup. So Nate Hobbs has to play great. He does. Hacksaw was just on with me. He didn't mention Nate Hobbs. And he's about as detailed as anybody I know. The guys in the morning shows and the debate shows, they don't know who Nate Hobbs is. They've never heard of him. They don't know how to pronounce Trayvon Merrick, so they don't mention his name. Those guys have to step up, and I'm happy the caller said it in regards to Patrick Graham. When I interviewed the coach in the state of the team, if you got a chance to see that, we played a video of Patrick Graham. And after the video, I asked Coach McDaniels, tell me something about him. And he looked at me and he paused and said, super special. Patrick Graham's got this elaborate, tricked-out, now defensive style that we don't know anything about. We know nothing about. Is it going to be 4-3? Is it going to be 3-4? Is it going to be 5-2? What is it going to be? We're going to see it against the Chargers. They've been holding back that game plan for this week. And all those guys know that they got to get to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, if he has time, will tear up any team, including the Raiders. So the edge rushers are going to be really critical in this game. And they're going to have to have a big game because they have to double team and chip block Max Crosby. They have to double team Chandler Jones or he could have three or four sacks. There's a lot of that going into this game and same thing with the Raiders. And I think the Raiders are going to chip block and leave someone home. Lou in L.A., wrap it up, Lou. What's happening? Hey, JT. Man, I can't wait till Sunday. Oh, it's it's just, you know, it's great to be. And thanks that we have a radio station that we can talk. Thank you. Hey, real quick. Real quick, JT, I, I heard Hacksaw. I've been listening to Hacksaw for a long time mm-hmm. when he was on L.A. radio. And, you know, he, he hated the Raiders. He hates I the mean, Raiders. He told the truth on some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But but you got to remember, the Chargers, they didn't – I don't know what he watched, but during the preseason, their special teams was horrible. They never fixed it. And, and, and my thing is, are people forgetting about uh, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, mm-hmm. um, their offensive line is good. They got one good player on there. But we still got Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones in a different defense. I think our defense is going to come to play. I think we got better defensive players on there. My, I, I'm worried about the offensive line, too, but they got to worry about us, yeah. too. Yeah, so I agree like- with you. Thanks for the call, my friend. You hear the music, I got to run. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, the strength of the Raiders is not their offensive line, but we got to watch them play first. That's going to be our show next week is the performance of the offensive line. Pro Football Focus is going to make all the grades. And we're going to know what the grades are. We're going to see how they did. Uh, Thanks to our guests, Paul Gutierrez, Jason Horowitz, the great Jeff Sherman from the Westgate, and Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. That's about as best as I can do with Bobby. Bobby books the show, does a great job. Thanks to all of our proud partners who are here with us to the start and end of Raiders football. Really pumped up about that. Q's got a monster show coming up. You don't want to miss that. And thanks for joining us, everybody. I like the energy. It's the beginning of the 2022-23 season on the flagship Raider Nation Radio. Good to go. All right. Thank you.